Thanks, Andrew. Great to be with you uh, here tonight. It's getting cold. Everyone's got their jumpers on, which is good. And uh, we'll see how we go in winter. I just had, uh, I was just praying a little bit before the service, and I just felt uh, God gave me a little, maybe just a little mini picture or word to share at the start. Sometimes, sometimes our, our, you know, what imagination, our imagination of God is informs sort of our, our thoughts about Him. And, and just the picture God gave me to, to give at the start was, God's re- in, in the kingdom of heaven, there's rejoicing tonight. There's, there's freedom. There's joy. There's feasting. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever, I can't remember which movie, but I can just remember the end of this movie. And there was this scene, uh, and it was a, a big Irish family. And they were just jubilantly sharing around the table. Uh, you know, someone had the fiddle out. They were dancing. That might not mean much to the young people, but... Um, you know, like beautiful sort of violin, classical music, and they were enjoying life. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And God says, um, come and join. Come and, come and join. Leave your worries. Leave your concerns at the door. Come in. Come and be a part of the joy that is found in the Father's house. We're just continuing this series in uh, Romans tonight. We've, I think, gone through the first three chapters, and now we're in chapter four. It's a f- fairly long chapter. We're not going to nearly touch all of it tonight, but just to begin with, why don't I read some verses, uh, one through eight, and then 13 through uh, 15. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. I've actually shared this little illustration before at this service about a couple of years ago, I think, so you'll have to forgive me, but it just is perfect um, for these particular passages tonight. If you can cast your mind back to March 2019, uh, sorry, 2020, and COVID was just kicking off. I remember sitting in the offices when some of these news headlines were coming through and we're starting to think, what is this going to mean for so many different areas of our lives? And the Prime Minister was speaking and... uh, you know, some of the reality of of what this meant, we were starting to hypothesize about. And then uh, what happened was someone who we hadn't really heard of before in Queensland, but now we all know by name and and almost feel like she's a part of the family, a lady by the name of Jeanette Young. Uh, You guys will all know who Jeanette Young is. She was the chief uh, health officer for Queensland at this particular point when when the COVID pandemic uh, uh, started. And Jeanette would make these weekly, almost it seems, media releases, and everyone would sort of stop what they're doing for a second, and they'd all tune into the television, 
and, uh, and they'd, they'd say, oh, here we go, you know, what's happening this week? Are we, are we able to, to meet? Are we able to go to the shops? Do we have to stay inside? Do we have to wear masks? And you'd get, you'd get your update from Jeanette, and she did it in such a wonderful way. I mean, uh, I recently talked to someone who met Jeanette in person, and she said she's just like uh, she is on the TV, which is awesome. Jeanette, if you're watching, thank you so much uh, for, the, for the work that you did. No, seriously, yeah, you can give her a clap. But... Uh, but the interesting thing is that um, um, Jeanette is, is a person who, who knows epidemiology, I think that's the right word, who, who understands what was going on at this particular moment. And so without anyone even telling her what she needed to do, I can guarantee that Jeanette would have been social distancing, she would have been wearing a mask, she w- probably wasn't going to particular places because she understood. It was within her person that that was who she was. You know what I mean? She didn't need someone to come up to her and say, Jeanette, you need to be wearing your mask or Jeanette, you need to be keeping two meters from these particular people. That's just who she is. Uh, but she was the person in charge in our state of making the laws at this particular point in time. And you remember the premier saying, We're following the medical advice. This is the law. This is what's going to be literally mandated in the state. And and, uh, thankfully, uh, the Queensland people so gracefully received that and and really uh, made an effort to follow that. But in a sense, um, the law, actually not in a sense, literally what was coming out of Jeanette, her person, was what the law was. She was making the laws. She was saying, from my mind, from my perspective, who I am, this is what is good and right, and therefore you need to do it. But for us, we're a little different to Jeanette. <laughs> a, we don't understand um, epidemiology. We don't understand, we didn't even, you know, a mask. We thought we'd, we'd never even really heard of that. Social distancing, we had to invent a term for it, you know, but Jeanette knew about social distancing before it was called social distancing. But for us, this, this felt like law. It felt like something that was foreign to us, that was put on us. And so what we had to do is we had to think about it and, it and we had to work at it. I don't know whether you ever had this experience. A number of times I drove somewhere and then I said, oh, I don't have a mask. And you're like, can I go in? Is, am I allowed to still nip into the shops and pick up this thing or do I have to drive all the way home? I, on occasion, I drove all the way home, I'd pick up my mask and then I'd, you know, all of these things, we had to work at them. We, they weren't natural for us. They were, they were uh, separate from us because we are not Jeanette, you know what I mean? We don't have her spirit, we don't have her person. She's, she's different to us. Now Paul goes right back to the beginning. He says, Abraham. He says, in the very beginning, he's trying to explain things. And what he's saying in this chapter, what he's saying is that we were never going to be able to keep the law. It wasn't going to be possible, is what he's saying. I I actually forgot to read these verses, but this is uh, 13 through 15. It says, It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, that, that he would receive the inheritance. It was never going to come through the law, but it was going to come through the righteousness of faith, by faith. 
For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. The inheritance, the gift, life, righteousness was never going to be given through the law. God never could have expected us of ourselves, think about the difference between Jeanette and us, God never would have expected us of ourselves to be able to meet the requirements of the law. I mean, how, how insane for God to expect humanity of itself, if it, if it really was separate from Him, to be like Him. There's only one God. And so Abraham is saying, we, uh, sorry, Paul is explaining that, that this was never the case, that it was, we, we were never meant to be able to, to be clean and righteous of ourselves apart from God. Is it possible to have a righteousness apart from God? Is it possible to have life apart from God? Jesus himself said this, he said, of myself, I can do nothing. He said, no one is good, no one is righteous, but God alone, Christ, Jesus Christ himself said that. We have no righteousness of our own and we were never meant to. We were never meant to see ourselves as, as a separate entity from God, something that is, that is um, away from him and not in union with him and, and to be able to live up to the standard of the law. Uh, so why then was the law given? Well, we read this in Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Uh, we, all of us, have believed the lie uh, and, and have bought in on being our own autonomous self. We believe the lie that we could be and that we were separate from God. We tried to take life, to, to take the gift of God for ourselves. And for those people, the law is given. That means for all of us, the law is given. It's given to reveal the fact that we, we can't actually take life in and of ourselves, that we can't have a righteousness in and of ourselves. If you think back to the example of Jeanette and, and us, we were never meant to be able to live up to, to the, the, the rules that I suppose were coming from the heart of Jeanette of ourselves. We needed power. We needed to be able to, to, uh, to I suppose, fulfill all of that we needed the, the literal spirit of Jeanette ourselves. We needed power. What the law speaks, it speaks to those who consider themselves separate from God, who are seeking to establish themselves as their own power, as their own entity. And to these people, the law speaks and says, you, you, you can't actually take it 
Paul speaks here of the inheritance. The very definition of an inheritance is that it has to be received. An inheritance is something that is given and received. A, a son doesn't earn his inheritance, does he? A son receives the inheritance because of who he is, because he's a son. As soon as we try and take it for ourselves, it no longer is an inheritance. And in fact, we find that it slips through our fingers. I don't know whether you've ever had an experience like this before, but you've been trying to buy someone lunch. Just you've really wanted to buy them lunch. You've wanted to, you know, out of, out of just a desire to love them and to bless them, you wanna, you wanna give to them. And they say, no, 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 I'll pay. Oh, no, no, oh, 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 thanks so much for this. This was really good, but I'll pay you back. And you're trying, you know, you're trying really hard. No, I just wanna give it to you. I really just, I love you and I wanna bless you with this. And they're like, no, 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 I'm gonna, you know, I, I'll, I'll pay you back. I'll get you, or next time, next time I'll pay. Even though I am trying to give it or you're trying to give them this, this gift, by them actually seeking to, to take it, to, to say, no, I can stand on my own two feet, they're actually not receiving it. And therefore the gift is missed. It's lost, it's, it's no longer a gift. The whole time you might be wanting to give it, seeking to, for them to receive it so they might know the blessing of it. But in them trying to take it, they actually can't, that they're not receiving it. It's nothing to do with you, you're, you're pouring it out, you're giving. It's that they are unwilling to receive. They believe that they need to, to take it, to earn it. This is what Paul's talking about here in these, these passages when he says, um, to, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. An inheritance has to be received by definition. The picture is of the older prodigal, of the older son in the story of the prodigal son. The, the youngest son takes his inheritance. He seeks to take it as well. He burns it. Uh, it slips through his fingers. He finds that he can't actually take an inheritance and he comes back to the father. The father, the father says, son, you, you, you have always been a son. You have never not been a son. But then the older brother, he says, he sees this. And because he believes this whole time that he's been working to earn the inheritance, he's seeking to take it. He too doesn't believe that the inheritance is to just be received. He actually misses it as well. The gift of God, which is life, which is righteousness, which is Everything is only given and can only be received. It cannot be taken. As soon as we try and take something from God, you know what that's implying, don't you? It's implying separation. It's implying that, that we're not fundamentally together. And, and if there is separation, the law speaks. And it says, in being separate, you will not receive life, you will actually harvest death. 
The law speaks to those who are under the law, who are seeking to establish their own righteousness. Maybe tonight you're not seeking to establish your own righteousness. You're you're just seeking to take life in in all forms and, and manners. The law speaks and it says life cannot be taken. Our very own physical life, we can't take it. It's not our possession to have, it's to be received. Simon the sorcerer, he says, uh, he sees the incredible miracles that the apostles are doing by the, the power of the Spirit. And he says, pay me, I'll pay you for this gift. He's trying to take it with money. And uh, I think it's Peter or, or Paul, I can't quite remember. He says, they say, Simon, your money is going to perish with you. The gift of God cannot be bought. Separation. Separation is the problem. The gift of God is, is the fullness of the Spirit to be received by faith. Um, one of the illustrations that Jesus gives uh, physically as he walks throughout Israel is that the, the man with leprosy the leper was known in that society as the one who was unclean, the one who had, you know, if you've got law and you've got good and bad in the spectrum of law, the leper was the one known as the sinful one, the outcast. You are unclean. You are a sinner. You are unholy. You are unworthy. And the Pharisees were the ones casting the leper out and they were saying, you're actually the problem here. Uh, We are working for righteousness here and you are polluting our righteous area and so we're gonna cast you out so that our righteousness will be established before God and God can come and bless us. And so the leper walks around under this weight. Can you imagine that? The the physical disease that, that he or she had would have been the testimony to the very fact that they were unclean. This weight of, of not only living out, outcast from everyone, but feeling that you are cut off from God. That was what they would have believed. The religious leaders were saying, you are cut off from God. And Jesus comes. It's a beautiful picture. And the leper cries out, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, the the leper has realised in this moment that there's no holiness outside of God himself. That's separate from him, whether whatever it is, whether it looks good or whether it looks bad, it is unholy. The Bible says even your good things, even the things that you do separate from me, uh, thinking that you're separate from me, even those things that, you, that seem really good, they are like dirty rags before me. And the leper realises in this moment, actually, actually, he sees the Christ and he says, this man is righteousness. This man is holiness. And I don't need to live under the law anymore. The law says that I'm a sinner. 
My skin says that I'm a sinner. But He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can come in and make me clean. Imagine your life like a house and the, le- the leprosy is the unworthiness of the house, the mess of the house, the disgrace of the house, the dilapidation of the house. But it's the presence of the righteous God that cleanses it, that covers it. We have no righteousness outside of Him. And Jesus says, I am willing. And in one moment, He touches the leper and, and, and the leprosy is removed, which is, which is just the physical outworking of the truth. The truth being known and made manifest in that moment, that it is the presence of God that is righteousness. Paul says there's now a righteousness that has been made known apart from the law. Um, There's no ought to's in the law. I want you to know that. If we're here tonight and we're saying, I ought to do this, I need to do this, I need to do more of this, we're working from a base of law, we're working from a place of separation from God, seeking to establish our own righteousness. The gift of God is the Spirit, the very nature of God poured out into our lives. If you think of Jeanette Young somehow giving all of her mind and heart and soul and putting it in us, that's the gift. And then there's rest, there's rest. We're no longer trying to work to be good and to do good things on the outside, but feeling like there's decrepitness on the inside. No, we actually know that the fullness of the presence of God is within, is, it's our being, it's who we are, and good flows up out of the heart. The springs of living water is what Jesus says. Blessed are the one whose sins have been covered. If you can, that's the picture, if you walk away with anything tonight, walk away with the picture of Jesus's health and righteousness and life coming and covering the leprosy. And it is no more gone as if it never existed. And maybe it never did exist. Just, uh, we're gonna share in communion as we finish tonight. Uh, But I wanna see if I can give you one more uh, illustration to see uh, if we can understand what it is that God's seeking to, to reveal when he says that we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. You see, grace is the empowerment that fulfills the law. At the end of of chapter three there, in the part just before what we read, this is what uh, uh, Paul questions. He says, do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. You see, when the Spirit of God comes in, the law is established in us. The righteousness flows forth. From within, we don't need to try and put it out on from without and create it. it. It wells up deep within us. If you can think of a bright sunny day, just for a second, just picture yourself. It was a beautiful day today. Uh, spend some time in the sun. Picture a bright sunny day. The reason I'm doing this is because it's dark in here, so this is going to work. But uh, just picture a bright sunny day. On a bright sunny day, wherever you are sitting, Both darkness and light are present. Let me see if I can explain that because it would be a bit confusing at the start. But um, if you take away the light for a second, obviously there's darkness. But that actual state stays. The darkness 
is, is cast out by the light coming in. It's the, the darkness and the light, when it's on a bright sunny day, they're, they're kind of in union. I don't know if you can understand that. The light and the darkness are to come together, but the light drives the darkness out. Think of the leprosy and Jesus's health coming together and, and the light, the health, casting out the leprosy. When we attempt to live lives that are separate from God, it's like darkness trying to cast out light. Think about that for a second. Can darkness ever cast out light? It can't. It's impossible. For we, we try and separate ourselves from God. We, you know, think of the prodigal son, the younger son. He, he throws off the father. He says, I'm going on my own, you know. I'm doing it my own way. I'm living my separate life. And he goes and he goes and he finds that, that there's really no life at all. And then he comes back and he thinks that he's laid waste to his sonship. He thinks, well, I'm no longer a son. I've, I've burnt it. I've blown it. And the father comes and he puts the ring on him and he puts the robe on him. Sonship never lost. We cannot, we cannot. Darkness cannot separate itself from light. Only light casts out the darkness. Darkness cannot cast out the light. In this moment on the cross, we get a picture of what humanity tries to do when it tries to throw out the light. It says, you know, we're casting you out. Jesus, the light of the world, we're casting you out. Get out of here. And the, Jesus, the light, he doesn't resist. He allows them to do um, everything that they wanted to do to him. He, he sheds his blood and he rises again. And he demonstrates that darkness cannot cast out light. That light is that it remains God has never changed. Our sin cannot change the eternal. And, and the, the, the blood of Christ that Paul talks about so vividly here in these passages is the sure, the sure token that though you might seek to cast yourself, cast light away from you, though you might seek to, to, to separate yourself from me. You cannot, I will remain. I will, I will bear with you in all of your sin. And this is hope because it means that there is no one, however dark you feel here tonight, however separate you feel from God, however far away he feels, as much as you have done, whatever you have done, God has not forsaken you. He, he, he has not turned his back on you. If you will turn to him, you will find that your sonship or daughtership remains. Light is, darkness cannot drive out light. Uh, in, in 1 Timothy, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. See, the truth is, we think we have separated ourselves from God. We think that we are not sons, just like the prodigal son. And yet we arrive home and the father says, son, daughter, everything I have is yours. 
this is what the cross is a sure sign of, a sure token of. This is why it is cleansing. This is why it is covering. The light covering the darkness. The, the health covering the sickness. The righteousness covering the sin. We, you see, we were never meant to have a righteousness of our own. It was always the plan from the very beginning, right from Abraham, that, that the inheritance would be given to those who trust God and receive it from him. Who say, yes, God. And even the yes isn't ours. It's not ours to be able to say, well, I've said yes and that person hasn't and therefore it's mine. <laughs> yes, Lord, come. Yes, Lord, I receive your, your very person. I receive your spirit. Thank you, Father, that you have not forsaken me. Thank you, Father, that your presence is, is right here with me. Thank you, Father, that even as I sought to take, you were still giving It's true, all of us have sinned. We've walked away, sought to live our separate life. Christ has come and said, even though you have sought to forsake me, I have not forsaken you. Turn to me and be healed. Turn to me and my presence will come in and bring healing. All, all the holiness, all the righteousness of me in you. It will no longer be you. Paul says that. I've died. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the beautiful hope. Blessed are the one. Blessed is the one whose sins have been covered. So we're just going to share in communion now. I invite you to uh, pull out the, the bread and the cup. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Eat in remembrance. And he took his cup, the cup, and he said, this cup is my blood poured out for the, the remission of sin. Drink in remembrance of me. So why don't you just uh, take the bread now and uh, eat that. Just reflect on these beautiful truths here tonight. Let's all drink together. And so we pray to you tonight, our Heavenly Father.
speaking for our houses to be houses of prayer, to be houses that welcome, welcome the living God. In fact, you never left. Even as we sought to cast you out, you, you bore with us, you shed your blood. You lay dead in the tomb of our hearts, ready for resurrection, the seed planted, ready for the explosion of new life, the spirit given. We were never, Lord, meant to need to work to receive anything from you. That's, there's oxymoron there, Lord. It's a, it's a gift given the gift of God, eternal life, life, truth, righteousness in us, not on the outside, on the inside. And so, Father, thank you for every person here. Thank you, Father, that each one is a, a temple of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we want to recognise this, Lord, we want to believe. That's what you said, believe. When you believe, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We will come to know that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We're not just humans. We're not just men and women who are mortals waiting for death. No, right here and now we are carriers of the presence of God. We are the, the plantation planted by a stream of water, trees, oaks of righteousness unto the glory of God. And so Lord, we, don't, we, we thank You that we are no longer under the law, that because of Your bloodshed, we can say and believe and count on the fact that we are under grace under your spirit being poured out, the power for the fulfillment of the law, the power that establishes the law in us, flowing and coursing through us, the life of the living God. Oh, Father, open our eyes to this truth. Holy God, open our eyes to this truth, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand together and we're gonna sing uh, this great song. I think it's called Awake My Soul and it has this beautiful line uh, when the Saviour walks into the room and uh, as we sing this, just picture your life. Know that you yourself are a temple of the living God and, and seek and pray and recognise. Let us open our eyes to His presence in our lives here tonight.
the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear worship, he hears faith. news that we've heard tonight. I love that line, let the King of glory come in. What an invitation, the King of glory to come into your life. And it begins in that moment that we receive, I use those words, receive forgiveness. Let me read this. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never, never 
count against them. You know, when we sin, I don't know about you, but I do things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I should do. What do we do with that? Do we run and hide from God? Do we feel guilty? Or do we say, God, I just receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. And tonight I want to say that's a gift that is an offer for all here that you can be forgiven, that your sins would never, never be counted against you. And if you've never received that, I wanna encourage you tonight, just say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, King of glory, come and take up residence in my life, change my life, because you don't need to be a perfect person, you need to be a forgiven person. Let me pray. Lord, I wanna thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And I want to thank you that there is not one person in this auditorium tonight, there's not one person listening online that cannot receive your forgiveness, even right now. And if if you've never, never ever come to that point of saying, Jesus, forgive me, let it be the cry of your heart in this moment, and He will forgive you. It is a gift. You don't need to work for it. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just receive it right now by faith. And Lord, for those of us that know forgiveness, and we we might have wandered, we want to say right now, forgive us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're coming back to forgiveness. We want to thank you, Lord, that you wash us, you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord Jesus, that the King of glory can then come and live in and out of us, Lord, into this world. Thank you, God. You are a good God. You're a great God. Lord, we pray your blessing over everyone here. May we know the freedom of forgiveness. May we know the love that comes through being intimately connected to you because of Jesus. Lord, we worship you and honour you. And we shout hallelujah and give him praise here tonight. How about we do that? He's a good, good king. A good king. This is the good news that the world needs to hear. Your friends need to hear this. Your, Your family needs to hear this, that they are forgiven by the King of glory, and He can come and reside in their lives as well. God is good. What a great purpose we live for. I want to invite you to hang around tonight. There's uh, food out there. Hang out in the courtyard. If you're new, there's a welcome lounge just out the back here to my left. Uh, We'd love to get to know you there. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.